Welcome back to episode number whatever. Uh, whatever. You follow along. Um so this week we're gonna continue discussing um the Russia Ukraine situation as it's actually jumped up quite a bit since the last week and it's got really, really serious. So over this week and actually the past three days, um Russia has launched a full I wouldn't say it's full scale yet, but let's say a pretty good scale invasion. Um They've they've got troops on ground. They've used um, like air. I hate the word defense. Air uh, attack, and um, it's pretty much a war there. I don't know if you've seen. Um, yeah, they've they've officially declared war, and they've they've mm. sent all sorts of missiles through, and uh, people have died. There's been casualties. Um, yeah. You know, on both sides. To be fair, I mean, I think the Ukrainians have fought back very well more better than most people um, at this point would have thought that they would. So, you know, kudos to them as well. Um, They're standing their ground. Uh, But yeah, Steve mentioned there's a full-blown war now. And um, two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, when we first discussed this uh, situation, we were kind Mm. of talking about, you know, what we think would happen if it would just be posturing or if it would get to the next level. Um, we, We basically were kind of unanimously under the decision that unless someone from the West sent troops over to Ukraine that Putin wouldn't necessarily start a war because that could escalate into a nuclear war. Uh, that being mm. said, he's kind of shocked everyone by in an almost unprovoked way, just deciding to go to war with Ukraine. Mm. Is it completely unprovoked? Is it provoked? You know, we can maybe discuss that, but um, regardless, it has kind of shocked. I think a lot of people that he has taken that step uh, to, to, as you said, do a full blown, you know, I guess invasion uh, not maybe it's not as you said Steve it's not maybe full blown just yet but to actually invade uh, Ukraine and declare war is a massive massive yeah. step um, I think and this is the first of its kind in Europe in the past what 70 years since the world war basically yeah I mean the, I guess it was Bosnia and um, stuff like that but sorry I just sneezed guys um, you <laughs> Um, but what's interesting is that they took, uh, I believe they did take Kiev in the end, um, but the Ukrainians also retook it. So it's obviously not a foregone conclusion, conclusion. And I think it, it's it gone on longer than Putin has imagined it would go on. Um, but what, what's interesting is that from the West, what they're doing is, like you said, they're not getting directly involved. I think the UK has agreed to give lethal aid, which is basically weaponry, Um and impose sanctions but do you think sanctions are enough Aaron? like what what would what kind of sanctions would stop putin like i mean it depends on the type of sanctions as you said of course um i don't think generally speaking in the past the sanctions that have been proposed by the uk have necessarily done anything to stop the russians from doing what they want um that being said this time around actually america and the uk have imposed sanctions which basically are you know, to put it simply would be, oh, here's about what, 12 oligarchs, uh, mm. six banks, etc. And these people's accounts have been either frozen or they're not allowed to do business here. So they're trying to hit them financially, you know, because the, the way the West deals with most stuff is will affect your money if we can. Yeah. Um, but much like with the uh, COVID vaccine rollout, the EU is twiddling its thumbs, it seems, because they're so, so, so reliant on Russian oil uh, that their sanctions seem to be very meager. Mm. They haven't really, you know, 
I have to commend the the US and the UK, which is not something that I do often, but they have actually, you know, to the best of their abilities at the moment, imposed sanctions. Now, you got to remember, especially even with the UK, we also are reliant on Russian oil, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, for them to even do that is a big step. I think what they're going to try and do is basically financially hurt Putin because, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, if you say, oh, okay, we're going to actually go into Ukraine with our army, first of all, that's basically the beginning of a world war. Mm. Uh, And secondly, uh, you know, as Putin said, and as we said he would say, you know, if you got that thang, I got that thang too. So (laughs) it's like he's got a nuclear weapon, you know what I mean? Um, Mm. That being said, if there was a world war like some people are salivating for, which I've never understood, I don't know why people want war, um, but if there was a world war, would Russia win? No. Would Russia win if China helped them? No. Because at the end of the day, technology wins wars. And I feel as though, you know, the US especially, the technology gap between them and Russia, for example, is so huge that if it was to lead to a world war, um, and even if there was like nuclear weapons used, ultimately Russia would be wiped off of the face of the earth. So I don't think, I think even Putin is aware of that as well. I mean, I don't think he's lost his mind entirely to think Mm. that if he was to escalate this all the way up to a world war, that they would somehow come out on top. I don't think that would happen. But obviously it's my opinion, and I would hope that it's the opinion of many others, that we wouldn't want it to get to that point. Because the casualties would be endless. So I think, yeah, it's a sticky situation at the moment. Yeah, I think the way they should deal with it is to exactly say what you, do what you said is hit the oligarchs themselves. Yeah, because Russia's like political scene is very dependent on these very rich people behind the scenes. Yeah, and if you hurt them significantly financially, eventually Putin's going to get hurt as well. Um, yeah, I mean the Russian economy isn't as strong as I, I guess some yeah. people seem to think it is. And if you start hitting the money makers in the country, then that is going to cause a serious knock-on effect, which could lead to, you know, oh, we can't keep spending this money on this invasion. We have to pull mm. back. But here's the thing, like, surely when Putin decides to invade, he already mm. knew that this was going to be the consequence. Do you know what I mean? Like, No, of course. I think he... I think he so is he prepared? Yeah, I think he's definitely prepared. But... Mm. Um, you know, I think he's also aware of the dependence of the West on, you know, his resources as well. And so he's kind of counting on that. What we need now is, especially from the EU, massive sanctions. Um, you know, they're twiddling their thumbs, but what we need is, because and he's relying on that. He's relying on the, you know, the lack of backbone from Europe. So when Macron was standing mm. next to him on his little podium, he was calling Macron a dickhead to his face. And no one, you know, Macron couldn't say shit. And mm-hmm. he knows that. That's why I think he's, He's really pushing this because he's thinking, look, if you militarily try to attack us, we've got a nuclear weapon. I don't care if you've got one. You know, that's going to end with massive casualties. No one wants that. You Mm. know, if you try to impose sanctions on me, cool, I'll increase the price of your oil. Cool, I'll, I'll, you know, do this and do that. And, you know, you've got to remember a lot of um, Russian businesses have assets within the European countries. Huge, yeah. Huge assets. Like, you know, there there is now a fear that if, for example, they were to... Um, all the Russian businesses were to liquidate and pull their money out of, let's say, the UK housing market alone, the housing market would go ballistic. Either the house prices will go down, which some people want, or they might go fly high. Mm. You really don't know, like, you know, because they, they have roots in these countries. Like, for example, I know this is in the grand scheme of things very small, but 
Chelsea Football Club is owned by uh, Roman, Roman Abramovich. He's one of the people that have been sanctioned by the UK, but he has insurance that covers him up to two billion on Chelsea Football Club. So if, for example, his money was to be taken from him or his bank accounts were to be frozen or his business was to be significantly disrupted, Chelsea Football Club would have to find two billion to pay him, which would, in effect, put them into administration. Yeah. Here's what might happen. He might just sell the club with the, with the debt. And if a rich enough buyer comes through them, you know, that might be that and done. But at the same time, you can see that, the, you know, once you try to get money off one big business that's invested in your country, when you try to sanction one, they always have fallback plans. Yeah, yeah. So that's but just like a good case study, right? Of, you know, what happens when you try to sanction someone with a lot of money, have they mm. backed themselves properly? And someone like Roman Abramovich, who's not new to this game, he would have. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. these sanctions could backfire on us too. So this is the thing, like Putin is counting on that sort of stuff because there is a codependence factor there a little bit with the money exactly. that's been moved. So he's thinking, you can sanction me all you want, but can you actually sanction me? Mm. There's a big difference between that. Like, yeah. sanction if, the money? Is the money were, flow? Yeah, yeah. Mm, if they were about it, like you said, to be honest, by the end of this week, we should know that Chelsea's gone. Like, if you're using that analogy. Yeah. Like, if they were really on it, they would absolutely shut them down financially in the West, which is a huge hit. But they're not on that. Like, I think also this week, it came out that the Conservative Party had a series of donations from these huge Russian oligarch um, companies. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's like, okay, they're clearly in your pocket. Like, you can say it won't affect your decisions, but... Yeah, of course I mean? money it will. Talks. Of course it money will. talks, bro. I mean, one of the leading campaigners for Brexit was personally financed by a Russian oligarch. So, you know, the money is playing a big role in how this will progress going forward. Um, I know we didn't do like a proper explanation of how this whole thing started because personally, I didn't know much about it up until like two, three weeks ago. Um, mm. But maybe we can give like a brief description of what exactly happened that led to all of this in the first place. And I think, I think it will help us kind of explain the situation more going forward. Mm. So kind of what I, my understanding of the situation is this. There's two major cities, Kiev and Lushank. Um, and some yeah. people who are football fans might know Donetsk falls within these, um, within these kind of broader regions. Uh, these two major regions slash cities, they wanted to join Russia. Uh, Russia wanted them to join because there is a buffer that creates a buffer zone between them and all the NATO armies that have surrounded them. Mm -hmm. They funded the separatist movement within Ukraine. Agreed. And so when we were talking about there's some Russians who there's some Ukrainians who actually like Russia, those are the people we were talking about, the people who are in, within that region who wanted to join Russia. Mm -hmm. So there's been an ongoing almost civil war within Ukraine. This is my understanding between the separatists and the Ukrainian government. Yes. So what's now happened basically is Putin has said, yeah, we're taking that region by, you know, hellfire or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, prior to this big event, there have been skirmishes between the separatists and the government. But of course, it wasn't it wasn't big enough for the world news to basically show, you know, every detail of it. So it's not new news, especially for Ukrainians. But um, like you said, you know, for Russia to be directly involved now is them making a stamp saying we want this back because in a sense it was so then this Soviet kind period. of explains um 
kind of the 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 full process between guys like Usyk. So Vladimir Usyk is a boxer. He's just beaten Anthony Joshua. You might know about him. Uh, he was pro Russia, I believe, right? Um, but now that the war has actually officially broken out, he mm. has flown back to Ukraine, and he is not. He is no longer part of the pro Russia brigade because they also didn't want it to become a full blown war. They wanted exactly. it to be done diplomatically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is, so this is kind of where we're at at the moment. So mm. now let's look a little bit at the reactions from everybody with with this regard. So basically, what's happened now is you're seeing a massive up, you know, upheaval from the international community with celebrities, footballers, sports people, whatever. Um, they're all saying no to the war, and they're all obviously very much against what's happening at the moment. Now. My understanding is that, you know, I, I only know a very limited number of Russians, so I can't really turn around and say I've spoken to every Russian in the world, but or every Ukrainian in the world even. But um, my understanding is this. Those who wanted to be a part of Russia and Russians themselves are looking at the actions of Vladimir Putin and saying, why did you do that? Because they were okay with the kind of... Um, ethics behind what he was doing which is push your soldiers up to the border just to show people stop messing with us you know we want you're surrounding our country and for the protection of their own country they wanted to kind of create this buffer zone so they were with it up until that point but they aren't happy with the way that he's kind of just declared war without provocation yep and so we're seeing a lot of protests within russia as well that are very much against this Russian mm -hmm. athletes, Russians, you know, you know, for people who are in the limelight are coming out and saying, no, we do not agree with this war, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of goes against the rhetoric that's generally pushed, which is that, oh, Russia wants the war. I think there is a significant part of the population that isn't happy with how this has developed over the past. Most, most definitely. Yeah. I've been like scouring the social media, social medias, you know, the online sphere. And it's exactly what you said. You know, the Russians do have a pro russian ukraine um contingency but that and to be honest that's the majority of of the russians but they didn't expect it to be under this uh you know this is how it's going to be achieved through full-blown uh scale warfare um like you yeah, said I think before, they it'd be more Putin's actions as an ego thing yeah pretty much yeah and um it might actually if this could be a turning point for Putin actually again not that he was very popular anyway but he was popular, but I feel like it always went back and forth for Putin and Russia. Uh, people like him and don't like him. He's like Marmite. Um, mm. And maybe this might be the turning point because, um, yeah, I mean, the Russian people have close ties with the Ukrainians, obviously. There's quite a large demographic as well that live in Ukraine that are actually Russian. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think this is, a, in a sense, a very bad move for Putin. I think, up, but the thing is, Aaron, it seems so well calculated because he, you, you know, like he knew, like I, I, what I was wondering is whether we put troops on, on uh, in Ukraine, like personally, and he calculated to the point where he knew that they weren't going to do it. And to this day, at least there has been no um, uh, NATO troops in Ukraine. So maybe I, I have a feeling that he's made all the calculations. He knows the pros and cons already, but he's decided to do it anyway. Um, I mean, you, you, would, you would think that he would have fought it out before declaring a full-blown war, but, you know, crazier things have happened before. Um, 
it does seem to me like it was a strange move from Putin because it was one thing to be like, oh, try it with me and you'll see. And it's a whole different thing to just, you know, preemptively decide, nope, we're going we're gonna to invade Ukraine. So mm. I don't know how it's going to develop for him. I don't know if this will be a gamble that will pay off for him or if it will actually go down the path that we are all worried it will, which is a full-blown world war. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the kind of... Uh, some of the stories that are coming out of Ukraine then. Mm. So the, um, I guess the prime minister or president, I'm not sure which one they have of Ukraine, uh, has not fled. He's been offered uh, to be evacuated by the uh, United States and he's instead requested weapons. He's been seen on the front lines and everything that could all be PR, I don't know, but I mean, we do know he is in the country. Um, So he is, you know, ready and willing to fight. They aren't backing down. And, uh, you know, popular faces like the Klitschko brothers, for example, have also decided that they're going to stay and fight. Um, and we're seeing, you know, different different news stories come out. Some of them have been proven to be false, like the ghost of Kiev story, uh, which was basically about they were claiming there was a fighter pilot who had taken down six uh, Russian fighter jets. But mm-hmm. that's kind of been disproven. Um, but, you know, there was another case where uh, an engineer... Uh, within the army had to blow up a bridge to stop the uh, Russian tank column from, you know, proceeding. uh, And he lost his life in the process as well. Uh, So we're seeing stories like that, you know, this is really, it is of a war. Like this isn't, you know, a half-hearted kind of show of strength. This is a full blown war in Europe. Mm. So, you know, where do we go from here? What happens next is, is kind of worrying really, but I don't know. What do you think we'll, we'll, we'll see next well what we've seen so far i think um they're not nato the un had a kind of council recently to basically condemn russia's actions and every country voted to condemn apart from obviously russia but then there was neutrals and the neutrals were actually quite interesting so china was neutral which is a very interesting thing because you'd think they'd vote for russia right they'd say no they uh vote no with russia but they voted neutral um which shows perhaps like they're not as politically strong as a as they express they are through their own media sphere. Um, so that's one thing. UAE also voted neutral. So it shows that they have, a, as much as we think the Middle East is uh, very much, um, you know, American based. And, you know, we know there's a lot of bases in UAE and especially in Saudi Arabia. The fact that they voted neutral, again, is a big show of how much influence Russia has on that region. Um so it's, it's quite interesting to see uh, how far that will go. So if that's at the UN sanction level, you know, what's going to happen on the EU level? Um, you know, I, I think Germany still hasn't decided yet whether they're going to impose sanctions like, officially, which is, again, a very interesting thing, right? Um, and, and this is why I keep coming back to the invasion seemed perfect on, a, on a, just a purely strategic military standpoint. There's no boots on ground. People are mm. reluctant to do uh, any form of uh, sanctions apart from the obvious West USA. You know what I mean? Like the, the core two. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it objectively, as a, let's say, if I was a military commander and I was looking at the situation, assuming they achieve their goals, so I guess to take the cities they want, this was a good move for Russia. Do you see what I mean? Not, not on a moral standpoint, but on yeah, an obviously objective. Obviously, we're not condoning military. anything done here by Russia at all, but we're just, yeah, yeah. we're just kind of putting it in the guise of if we were Russia and we if made this Putin, move. Yeah. yeah. 
like I think he calculated it perfectly and and he you know what's showing now in terms of the votes on the UN and on the EU level is a lack of real support that the countries have you know there's a difference between what they say and what they do and what they're doing is showing that they're very reluctant with messing with relationships with Russia so I don't know it's interesting yeah. let's see how this plans out it's going to be interesting to see what Germany does whether they do yeah. anything or just really keep quiet uh, here on out I mean, it's my kind of feeling that unless there, you know, there's a genuine strong push from America and maybe the UK, I just feel like Germany aren't going to do anything, man. I mean, we, we've seen time and again, the EU has been ineffective with everything. Um, and when you look at like, for example, this really stems right back to the actions of NATO and kind of poking the bear. And, you know, you've created now this toxic situation, which has led to this war. But the countries that are involved in it, like the European countries at least, as you said, just aren't providing the support. They're creating the problem, mm. but they're not providing the support once the problem kind of escalates. Here's um, the thing, Aaron. Let yeah. me add something else. Ukraine isn't in the EU. Did you know that? Oh, that's strange. I always thought they were. Well, there we go. Because they didn't want... <laughs> and there's a reason. Well, this is my opinion. Now it's opinion. My opinion is why they're not in the EU is because they're willing to lose Ukraine. They don't mm-hmm. want to. They don't want to put that as the border of yes and no. Hence, okay. why we're seeing the actions. This is my opinion. I mean, Ukraine are now pushing heavily for the EU to add them now, because if they add them now, they have to be protected by the EU countries. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we we know, for example, um, Turkey, who's, who's got one of the biggest armies, uh, you know, in of any of the NATO countries, yeah. um, is not a member of the EU either. Uh, you know, what happens if, for example, you let this slide and then you let him take parts of Ukraine and then Putin decides, you know what? You've surrounded us completely. We're going to start branching off into every other country. Mm. They start going into anyone who borders them, coming closer and closer to Europe, closer and closer to Europe. They go into Turkey. They go into, you know, Romania. They go into all these other countries. You know, what happens then? When are you going to, when are you, because this is a precedent that's set. We always talk about precedents on this podcast. What is the precedent being set here? Sure, you might say Ukraine isn't in the EU, but they are part of Europe. Mm. Are they not an ally? That's a, that's a question. Officially, like, I, I, you know, as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, uh, Ukraine gave up their nuclear capabilities um, after a kind of uh, accord was signed between them, the UK, the US, and Russia, stating that they would not be invaded. So this yeah. was, I think, in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, yeah. They signed like some form of accord, and they said, okay, Ukraine has the capabilities to move on into like potentially developing nuclear weapons, but they aren't going to do that. And as a result, we're promising them that the UK, the US, and Russia will not cause a war in the country and will not invade the country or anything like mm. that. So again, what precedent does this set? If you're North Korea, for example, and you're developing nuclear weapons, and now the Americans, the Russians, whatever, come forward with, to, with you to sign a treaty to say... You're never going to let go. Of course, you're never going to let go because you've seen what happens when you let go. You let go, and then within 10, 20, 50 years, whatever, you get invaded. Look at Iraq. I think this, it was the exact same situation with Iraq as well. In terms of nuclear weapons, they decided, like, there's an they made an official decision to not launch a nuclear program with the uh, behest of uh, the West. Right, this is before the invasion. 
Yeah, and then and then the West, when they decided that they had enough of Iraq, just made up the weapons of mass destruction thing, which has obviously been proven at this point. Yeah. It's completely made up, an absolute fallacy, and then they invaded Iraq. So who's stupid and now? Who's stu- exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're looking at Boo the Fool. For what? And you look yeah. at, for example, Iran. Surround- I mentioned Iran before because their situation mm. is similar to Russia in that they are absolutely surrounded by American uh, military bases, by you know d- different armies around mm. the world. They're surrounded. They're absolutely surrounded. They have a strong nuclear program, but it's not a nuclear weapons program. Um, now, they've signed multiple treaties over the years saying that they wouldn't pursue that sort of thing. But again, you're looking at how things are escalating. And when it really comes right down to it, as a nation, if you want to secure your safety and allow that nobody actually messes with you, Russia is now showing you all you need is a nuke. Yeah, yeah. Get a nuke and no one can chat to you. Look at Pakistan. Pakistan is a perfect example. You know, stuck between India and China and, and basically Russian influence. You know, if it was, I, I strongly believe if it wasn't for the nuke that they have and they developed in secret, they, they wouldn't exist today. There wouldn't be a, such a, like a prosperous country in I comparison mean, think to about India. The, think about the contention between India and Pakistan. And both mm. of them, I believe, have nuclear weapons, right? India yes. has one yeah. too. So you're thinking by now there would have been another massive war between the two nations. But what's stopping that from happening is the nuke. The nuke provides a certain level of safety to a country and it allows them to have a certain level of we will do what we want. A short destruction. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a short destruction. I will do what I want. As long as I don't personally attack you, don't get involved in my business because I have a nuke. That's what Russia is saying. And now, you know, if you're a country that doesn't have nukes, you're going to want nukes. And if you're a country that has nukes, you're going to look at what Russia's done and say, and maybe they're going to start acting up. Do you see what I'm saying? Because they're seeing that I can do what I want because there's mutually assured destruction and Europe ain't about it. Basically, if you want to exist in the political sphere, everyone needs to be a bully. Like every single person needs to be a bully because this is the unfortunate case is that these weapons exist. You know, we can't undo time and remove technology. I mean, it's so, one of the worst inventions yeah. ever in, my, like in human history. It might be the worst invention because we've literally created a thing that can wipe us off the face of the earth. Which is insane, isn't it? It's, it's insane. Crazy. Like humanity literally, it just takes one madman to press one button. I mean, the Americans started the program, but that's something else. Let's not go there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not placing the blame at any particular nation. I'm just saying as humanity, it's a horrible mm. thing for us to have even oh, wanted sure. to do in the first place. But now that we have it, it's a constant threat looming over our heads. It's too late. Look, I don't know. If I was like an alien and I saw the earth and they told me, manage the earth, I'd give everyone a nuke. <laughs> I'd be like, everyone has a nuke. So now yeah, no we're all standing on trying. equal ground. Yeah, yeah. But then the problem with that analogy is, again, you know, what happens when you give it to a madman? A psychopath. Exactly. Yeah, that's the issue. This is, this is the problem. And, you know, from the actions of Putin and from the actions of, you know, various pre- presidents, prime ministers, whatever, we know that we've been close to nuclear apocalypse before because a lot of these people in these positions are psychopaths. Mm. And again, it's about the precedent that all of this has set. I genuinely feel like in the future, you know, more countries that have nukes, so including your India and Pakistan, uh, you know, your America, your UK, will make more moves in the political sphere and say, well, what are you going to do about it? Because I've got a nuke. Mm. So it's, it's just a scary situation when you look at what precedent this sets. And then, you know, you've obviously got the North Korea factor. You know they're, what already, is- they're already governed by an unhinged man. And now he's, mm. he, there's no way he's given up on the idea of nuclear weapon. 
There's no it's way like, he's giving up on that. It's like a game of, uh, I mean, we used to call it bullshit in school. It's where you have um, cards. It's a card game and you have to pretend that you have the card. Well, you could have the card, but also you usually lie and, and place it face down. I think yeah. this is what's happening. Is everyone's like playing this game and no one wants to call. I mean, it's a know, game bullshit. of chicken, but the, the yeah. loser gets annihilated. I mean, it's, yeah, basically. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, Every, it's uh, not even situation. that. It's even worse than that. The loser gets everyone annihilated. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If anyone loses, we all we all lose. We the all game lose. just has to keep going on and on and on. There is no end to the game, yeah, which just sounds like torture because it is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Anyway, let me ask you. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Would you want ground like British troops in Ukraine right now? Do you think no. there's enough no, for that? To happen? No, no, no. I don't want any kind of war to take place. And I feel like there is this kind of obsession, especially with the West, um, the mm. media, and with some young and some old people where they're really obsessed with the idea of war. They want mm. it to happen. And it tends to be people who are actually not going to go to fight in any war if it was to happen. Yeah, but yeah, true. Let me tell you this. We're, you know, I'm from a Middle Eastern country. I haven't lived there. I live in the West, same as you. I don't have any idea of what war is like, but I follow news of my country back home. And you know, this is a country that is going through war continually. Mm. I'm Kurdish, so you can say Iraq, Turkey, these are all my countries, right? They're going through continual perpetual war. War is not a thing that you want. Mm -hmm. It's not. Trust me, it's not. We are not equipped as, you know, we might be equipped to actually go to war, like we might have the military for it, but we as Mm. the people of this country are not socially equipped to handle a war. We're not mentally ready, bruv. We're not ready. People in this country lose their mind if, you know, somebody, um, if they don't pick up the bins on the right day. Mm. They're not ready to be, you know, basically living in bomb shelters like rats in the underground to be lining up for hours for bread. Do you know what I mean? You know, not knowing when they can leave the house, when they can't, not knowing if this is their final moment or not. The, the kind of misery that comes along with death is something that often people don't, uh, with war, is something that they don't, often think mm. about okay let me they, they let me push the narrative. it's not i'm playing devil's advocate yeah so i'm, yeah. I'm gonna keep pushing it mm-hmm. so for example in ukraine the ukrainian people are now fighting is that justified or should they just not fight no I, this this is the thing war you don't you don't you shouldn't want it but sometimes war comes and finds you mm. so whether or not a person wants to then fight is up to them it's up to their own moral code mm. um you know, I, I believe it's getting to a point of forced conscription now. So anyone between 18 to 60 is not allowed to, to yeah. leave the country if you're male. Um, do Ukraine fight back? Well, I mean, I think they have to because, again, a precedent mm. has to be set. Because if the Ukrainians now say, okay, we're just giving up our weapons and come in Russia, take what you want, then what stops Russia from doing that again? Exactly. The rest of Ukraine. Yeah, or the re- more more of Europe, right? Because it could exactly, go exactly. Yeah, because once Ukraine's done, what Romania might be next. Well, it could go into Greece or whatever. It could go it into could Greece. It could go route. like as I said, like you know, even Turkey, because there's mm. nukes. There's um, sorry, do you remember during the Cold War, mm. America had placed nukes in Turkey because it was you know within uh, range yeah. range to hit Russia. So you know the. Turkey is does have a strategic uh, value. So what happens if Russia says, okay, well, Turkey has a strategic value. We want to go to Turkey. One of the biggest NATO armies in the world. Mm. 
you know, like this, uh, what do you Here's my do question. Turkey turn around and say, okay, let's lay down our weapons or do they fight? Because if they fight, world war, there you go, we're done, we're finished. Here's my question now. At what point does the UK get involved in terms of external countries? Do they wait until it's at their doorstep? Or, or do you Again, have to is, draw a line? Do you know me, what I mean? Per, me personally, I would say... Because uh, isn't it too late if it's at your doorstep? Extreme mm. sanctions have to be placed. Extreme. Mm. Cut mm-hmm. off all money to, to Russia. Yeah, shut down Chelsea. You, you just got to shut them down. Take the L. <laughs> let's no, get rid of Chelsea. Just get, let's get rid of Chelsea real quick and then we'll figure it out from there. But... um. Yeah. I think extreme sanctions, first of all. And as the uh, president of Ukraine said, he doesn't need an evacuation. He needs weapons. Yeah. Allow military supplies to go through too. Mm. Boots on ground, I think, is the final. Like, once, once you do that, it's, it's a world war. It's a world war, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that has to be tried to be avoided as much as possible. But military weapons, sanctions, money, funding, whatever they need should be given to the Ukrainians right now. I think my question is, at what point do you trigger that world war? Is Ukraine like irrelevant? If they take Ukraine, we shouldn't go in. Um, is it when they start pushing further into Europe? I mean, like, look, at the end of the day, it's not even about is Ukraine relevant? It's human life. Yeah, of course, of you course. Know, so well, I mean, like, as in, in politically, in, in terms no, of no, no, the yeah, UK yeah, no, yeah. The point I'm trying to make yeah, is yeah. if you're talking about like what is the ethics behind all of this, like at what point do we go mm-hmm. in? Realistically, it's you know, people are already dying. Yeah, one could make the ethical point that like we need to step in already. Mm-hmm. But again, politically speaking, you can't really lose Ukraine because if you do, then again, what precedent does that set? Mm. So you can't, you can't twiddle. My thing is you can't twiddle your thumbs. Mm. Ukraine might end up being lost regardless, right? Mm-hmm. But you, if you twiddle your thumbs, then it seems like, okay, well, then we can just do this wherever. So as I'm saying, put in the sanctions that I've mentioned. So put in like the, the actually hit them with where the pockets hurt, send military weapons, give pushback at the very least. But like there isn't a time where I can really justify saying let's start a world war. I just don't think yeah. that's something that we can because the, the casualties that will come out of a world war right gonna now, be it's insane, gonna be yeah. unprecedented. Countries will be wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, entire populations decimated. And because of the use of nuclear weapons, you know, if you drop a nuke somewhere, that place becomes uninhabitable for a very long time. Mm. Look at like look at people, Chernobyl. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like look at Chernobyl. Imagine, mm. like, and that was like, and that was an accident. Of, that was an way. accident. Imagine if you were to launch hundreds of nukes, hundreds of nukes into like one region, mm. onto one country. Like the UK is not that big. One <laughs> yeah, nuke would do insane amount of damage. Imagine like ten of them hit the UK. Mm. Can't live nowhere on you. The UK is finished. It's, it's done. It's as finished. Yeah, it's, it's done. It's done. So yeah. you know these people who are like think it's cod and think it's just a game we need to slow our horses a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's help the Ukrainians out as much as we can with as much sanctions and uh, ammo and whatever they need. But, you know, to start saying, oh, let's send our troops over. I don't think people are actually deep in how madly, you know, that can go. Yeah, that's a madness. Yeah. But but my point, I think what I'm trying to think in my head, so I, I actually totally agree with you. Right now, they need to be extra harsh. Like they really, what they need to do is cripple the Russian economy. Like as much as Russian people will suffer due to that as well, as we saw in Germany, they need to cripple them so they stop the military action. Um, but beyond that, if they do continue, eventually there's going to have to be a line drawn somewhere. You know, like, like I said, do you wait until they're at your doorstep? That's that's the big question. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think Ukraine is a bit more removed from us, and it and it has historical context in terms of 
you know, it's been Russia, it's, it's been back and forth in the past. So maybe in the long term, it's not worth getting involved directly. But um, yeah, it's just my own mental, even for me in my head, it's like, when is it justified to put boots on ground? At what point do you say this is a line and you've crossed it completely? We, need, I mean, we don't have a choice. Personally, we have I can't justify it ever. Mm. I, I personally can't because I know that it, once you do that, no one wins. Mm. There is no winner at the end of this. Like, literally, no one can win. It's impossible. So you just let Russia keep going. No. So the, all, all all you can do is what I said. All you can do is just do the sanctions and and you know give the oh, weapon. Yeah. I mean, you, it's unfortunately, you, you, it's a very difficult yeah, yeah. situation. Like, I I appreciate this isn't something that you know. No matter what you say, there's going to be someone who will disagree with you. Of and, course, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. there's obviously always going to be some sort of repercussion to whatever you do, but. I mean, a world war would just be so catastrophic, and we are, you know, we are leading in that direction now at this point. So it's just, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's just, this is a very scary and unique situation. Um, did you think? Did you think it will get worse after COVID? I mean, COVID is not over. But did you I think? Mean, oh, that must have been the end. Like, God, do you know what I mean? It just keeps getting worse, isn't it? I uh, mean, where, where does it end? When does it end, Robbie? Where does it end? Yeah, yeah, no, honestly, it's, it's it's a very difficult and tense situation. And obviously, this is just our opinions, you know, if you yeah, have yeah. anyone. The thing is, we have listeners in Ukraine. <laughs> Weird yeah, enough. Yeah. This podcast has had listeners in Ukraine and in Russia. So if you are from either one of those countries, like, you know, message us. Let us know what you think. You know, our social media mm. is uh, Verbal Reasoning Podcast on Instagram and Podcast Verbal on Twitter. So just, you know, send us a message. Tell us what it's like to actually be in Ukraine or in Russia or you know, if you've got mm. family there and you live in the West, for example, like, what's your take on it? What do you think about it? What should be done? Um, exactly, let us know yeah. because, uh, you know, this is obviously it is a very worrying situation and it does affect, unfortunately, everyone. And as we said, unfortunately, because of their uh, geography, Ukraine has constantly been kind of a pawn between, uh, you know, Russia and the rest of the West. Um, very unfortunate for them. But, you know, what what do we do? What What's the, what's the mm. correct line of action here you know the issue with this this whole conversation of russia pushing in and the west pushing in it has always happened throughout time like that big area you know poland and like or that the eastern european bloc Mm. all the way down to like ukraine etc the unfortunate truth of it is that is geography has led to it you know there's no uh there's no borders that are just mountainous which is like a uh, an obvious container for either countries yeah, yeah. It's, ju- it's just literally flat ground until you reach moscow so both sides are always trying to you know have more ground in the case of an invasion um but now like you said like we've reached a point where our technology is just way too risky where if we keep playing this game and it erupts like properly there's no winners <laughs> like we're yeah, all I mean, losing, humanity bro. can literally come to an end as a result of a game of chicken like that that's where we're at mm. That is literally where we're at. I mean, and a lot of egos are at play here as well. Yeah. Because, you know, if anyone backs down, they look weak. And if they look weak, then they're, you know, the weak get taken down. Mm. And America doesn't have a history of, be, you know, allowing themselves to be seen as weak. Yeah. yeah. So that's another I mean, worrying factor as well. And th- th- again, like, who is in charge of these countries while this is happening? On one side, you see Putin, which, you know, you might hate him, you might think he's a horrible person, whatever, but he does have the qualities that you would desire in a leader in that he he doesn't show fear and he is stern with his actions and he, you know, when he says I mean, he's going to do something, he is very much, yeah. uh, you know, going to do it. But then on the other side, you've got Boris Johnson, who's a fucking clown 
And then you've got uh, Biden, who's senile. I mean, this is just the fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. Are these the people really that you want? Like, can, can you really trust? I mean, I know, like, obviously, these guys aren't making decisions all on their own. And there's like a whole team behind them. But, you know, Boris Johnson's got a cavalcade of clowns behind him. Mm. And I just don't trust the Biden administration at all. Mm. So then I'm just like, okay, well, you know, what what do we do with this? Where do we go mm. with this? I mean, yeah, it's like <laughs> if you had to hire someone to be in charge of planning a war, it would be an ex-KGB spy who's been through the Cold War. <laughs> Show me like, <laughs> that you know Putin's I mean? resume is perfect for this. And maybe this is what led to it. It's because of his... Uh, prog- yeah, maybe, maybe this was always going to happen. Maybe this yeah. was always going to happen because this is where he's from. This is, he's been in the trenches and it was maybe always building up to something like this. Maybe mm. this is his final hurrah. You know, this mm. is how he wants to go out. Yeah, it could, really could be. Yeah. 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 I mean, we we just don't know what's going through their heads at the moment. You know, I mean, I'll, just, yeah. You know, we're just I speculating was, here. I was listening to Biden's response, I think, in the morning. Mm. Um, they were asking him questions and what he wants to do. And essentially, it's what you said, sanctions, but very, very heavy sanctions. And people were mentioning, like, to Biden, well, you, you, you know, like, they're still invading now, so what are you going to do in that case? But the kind of sanctions he's implying is the kind that, like, to completely de- delegitimizes his, uh, his uh, presidency or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what he is, prime ministry or whatever. He's As in, like, he does not want him to be even able to uh, anoint a successor which would mean mm. the end of the plans, if that makes sense. That would mean a complete, like, uh, redo. So I think the Americans' idea is to bury them financially, which is not necessarily a good thing because, uh, I don't know, it's all so tricky, isn't it? Because if you bury them completely, you look into the past in terms of, like, how uh, Germany was bur- buried, right? Mm. Like, they, you mm. needed a wheelbarrow of money to buy an egg. That's how, how much money was worthless to them. Yeah, yeah. And what came out of that, of that extreme situation, was, you know, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi yeah, party. Yeah. So uh, imagine Hitler had a nuke. We wouldn't oh, be man. here today. It'll be over. Again, <laughs> this is, this is where over. the nuke just is such a spanner in the works. You have to cripple them, but not so much that you're going to get a vengeful society that is one day going to appoint a madman who's going to use those nukes. It's it's a delicate game of chess, and I just don't trust the people in power right now to be able to play it. Mm-mm. I agree. Yeah. So that's Quite it. Yeah, we've got nothing positive to say at the end of it. it, it you know, <laughs> this is well, it. This I is do, I do. Oh, do you? Okay, go on. So this week, well, we've previously had on a very uh, good friend of ours and special guest, uh, the Herbal One, onto the podcast in the past, and basically she's a uh, expert in medicinal. Um, herbal medicine and uh really the podcast was really good um and she has her own product range which i decided to basically uh, go into and buy and try out um i don't, I don't know if you've seen them online erin but they're uh, like solar uh, power and stuff like that yeah, yeah solar power moonbeam bit of digest um and my issue was like every morning i'll be honest you know when i go to work i mm. need a coffee i don't know what it is but like my energy levels are finished and especially at lunch I don't know whether you get that post-lunch dip, but like yeah, for me, dependency, yeah. bro, caffeine dependent. But this week I've tried to basically cut that out and use uh, solar power instead, which is, it's basically a herbal mix that you uh, drop into like water or whatever drink you want to put in, even if it's like some kind of cordial or whatever. Um, drank that and instantly, I'm not even kidding, like 
instantly I felt energized. It's actually insane what such simple remedies can do to you in terms of like, it's just stuff that grows outside. Um, so I was thinking maybe next week or the week after, you know, after, uh, you know, once I get into the groove of the other ones as well, for, for example, like Moonbeams, which is supposedly uh, helps you uh, go to sleep. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. bring her back on and you know, talk to her about her products and, you know, why? Because it, it is it's bizarre. Like, I, di- I really, uh, I don't want to sound rude, but I had my like, you know, when you, you kind of, th- before you buy something, you're like, does this really work? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Can flowers really, really do this? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're always like, yeah. come on, man. How, how, how good can it be? But I was, at least with solar power so far, absolutely surprised. So, mm. um, I think it'll be yeah, good I mean, to have also back on. bear in mind if there is a nuclear apocalypse, we are going to have to, you know, go back to more traditional <laughs> yeah. ways of living. So we're going to probably have to start taking more herbal medicine. So if you want to know more about that topic, you know, keep tuned in and we will have her back on. Uh, and yeah, we'll discuss all things herbal medicine with her. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and obviously her product line as well. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next week, hopefully, if the world hasn't come to an end. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant.